construction, golf news, equipment, travel, interviews, course profiles, and more. Your weekly fix of all things golf is about to begin. It's the Flagstick Podcast with your hosts, Jeff Bonner and Scott McLeod. All right, welcome to another episode of Flagstick Podcast brought to you this week by Strixon Golf Balls. Uh, personally, I've been using the Strixon Golf Ball for uh, quite a while now, and it's been perfect for my game. Uh, whether you're looking for a premium urethane option in the Z-Star series, a quality budget option in the soft feel, or somewhere in between with the Q-Star Tour, uh, Zrixon Golf is bound to present an option that will work for your game. Give them a try. For more information, visit Zrixon.ca. Uh, Scott. Yeah, how are you? Here we are, here we are once again. we got some uh, cool stuff to talk about this week, but um, the last week, like... Now, first of all, congratulations to uh, to you and your uh, your lovely wife uh, Michelle. Twenty five years of of marriage, yeah. exciting, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, had a nice uh, nice day yesterday. A little quiet. Celebrated uh, a little bit. Went out for dinner. Um, yeah, it was fun. Hard to believe, as you said. You know, you guys obviously hit that milestone uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. That was a pretty cool cake too. <laughs> yeah i didn't make it that was sure, uh, so. that was about as extravagant a cake as i've ever seen man that was yeah. that was yeah and i actually i went and the funny part is here's here's a funny story on saturday night i actually went to a, another 25th anniversary party and the couple's name was scott and michelle nice <laughs> are you kidding me no and i actually was it was funny because the uh i took a picture of their sign saying happy 25th scott and michelle and i threatened to steal it so <laughs> Uh, but I did send a picture of it to my wife and say, hey, look, I made us a sign. Nice. credit. I didn't I didn't really get credit. She knew better. So, oh, my anyways. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting stuff. And and we got um, we got some pretty exciting stuff on this episode of the podcast. Uh, obviously, the usual great discussions uh, on the front nine, some golf events. Obviously, this is tournament season. So there's lots oh, yeah. of that, lots of that stuff going on. And it's it's a it's a never ending uh, <laughs> cycle throughout yeah. the golf season when it comes to the uh, the tournaments. And uh, and we've got a few of those to to discuss. So most of that stuff you're going to find on flagstick.com but we do dive into a little bit of it here um we also have a great uh, instruction on the lesson t uh with kevin and jay came uh mm-hmm. talking about uh, understanding the bounce on your wedges which i'm so- sure is something that a lot of people can uh, um can relate to and might find some something interesting there um and uh we have a little discussion in the back nine uh this episode that uh you know with all the rankings and on golf courses and whatnot that is uh, coming out, it's kind mm-hmm. of go, co- golf course ranking season as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's always controversy surrounding it. Now we're not going to get into too much of the, uh, you know, knocking down one list over another, but we're no. going to kind of educate, which is what this podcast is really about is it's opinions, it's discussions, it's education of what better discussion topic to have than talking about golf course rankings, which is something we don't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, all that's coming up uh, on this episode of Flagstick Podcast. So you know what? Let's get right into the front nine brought to you by Metcalf Golf Club, a natural setting, a pleasant challenge. Uh, looking for fun golf at a great rate, save 15% when you prepay. Visit MetcalfGolf.com to uh, book or to prepay golf. All right, Scott, let's dive into the front nine. What do we got? We got... Um, Obviously, the YouTube contest that we launched last episode is uh, we're starting to see a, a little yep. bit of action, a little Roll bit of action on. there, which is what we wanted. We encouraged sure. people who said, look, it, there's stuff that we're going to do on YouTube. We're going to start to grow that channel a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's not just about this podcast. It's about mm-hmm. more instruction, more information, more content. And we want to bring that to you. But the only way you're going to get that content is if you subscribe to the YouTube channel. So we created a contest. Our partners at Mint Green Group and Cleveland's Rickson uh, came up and came up and gave us some really good stuff to give yeah. away. Yeah. And we got more of it. But we started out with this contest. We're giving away a um, uh, Cleveland uh, uh, RTX Zipcore wedge. Yeah. We're giving away a Cleveland Frontline putter. 
mm-hmm. which is an awesome putter, by the way. It happens to be the putter that replaced my longtime putter, and I do love it. So great putter. And we're you giving away a dozen. With it, what, five, six hours a day? You're putting? Yeah. Practice putt putting in the day. house okay. from time to time. <laughs> I have a putting mat. Um, and we're giving away a dozen Strix on uh, uh, Z-Star uh golf balls so there's three prizes up for grabs and all you have to do is go to the youtube channel the flagstick youtube channel you need to subscribe to the youtube channel and you need to leave a comment on any one of the videos there that i want to win free stuff it's pretty simple you do that you go into the draw a couple more weeks we make the draw for those three prizes but you want to increase your chances you can't increase your chances of winning that stuff if you don't subscribe and make the comments so get in do it and that's all on that. Uh, Scott, Golf Ontario Women's Amateur Mid-Amateur. Yeah. At, uh, at Loyalist down in, uh, in your neck of the woods. Uh, uh, what an amazing golf course. And uh, some really quality, uh, quality golf. Yeah, by the time this podcast uh, comes out, uh, it will be concluded. But uh, I'll say I've been out there. Uh, I went out on Sunday to kind of watch some golf, follow a couple of players that I maybe have some affiliation with and uh, keep an eye on them from a, for another sure. coach as well, um, but had a chance to talk to a lot of players there in both the uh, women's amateur and mid-amateur category. Uh, mid-amateur is really interesting. And, uh, you know, Augusta James, who we know quite well here and oh, yes. have covered over the years, she's actually got her amateur status back. Uh, people are not familiar. Gus won the... Uh, she won an Ontario amateur before. She won a Canadian amateur, uh, made her way all the way up to the Epson tour, derailed by injuries, wrist injuries, uh, is now the general manager of the Briar Fox Golf Club down towards uh, Belvillery, Marysville nice. area. Uh, got her amateur status back and is back competing. So that was great to see. And by coincidence, Marianne Hayward, who uh, the mid-amateur trophy is actually named after, I believe she's won it, I don't know, 14 times. Uh, <laughs> she's had a wrist injury as well. And we were talking about that on Sunday and, and she had the same handmade bone injury that Bryson DeChambeau had and had to have surgery. Um, but a talented field. I, I would say it's probably one of the deepest fields that I've ever seen uh, in this uh, tournament. You know, 90 players out there. I saw so many college bags. Uh, but yeah, nice to catch up with a lot of players out there. Uh, ones from the Eastern Ontario region, from around Ontario. Uh, a lot of people just, we just interact with all the time on social media yeah. as well. And just putting a kind of a face to the names. And, you know, once you introduce yourself and say where you're at, they're like, oh yeah, you know, they follow you on maybe Twitter or Instagram or whatever. Uh, good to have a chat there. So uh, we'll have a full report on that, uh, you know, next week. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with some of the players, maybe for some content and things as well but uh you know big kudos as well to loyalist uh i I joked that this is probably the billionth or nearest nearest to a billion uh, events that they've hosted for golf ontario but they do host uh, a few easily it's uh you know in the high teens as far as the number of provincial championships that this club has hosted great volunteers there uh really well organized makes it a lot easier for uh, an association like golf ontario to come in and run that um you know just because you know there are so many players and so many things that go into running tournaments as we know yeah uh, and it's nice when you have the support of a community and a club like that so uh good to see uh, they hosted the Ontario Senior Men's last year, and uh, hopefully we'll see them hosting some more uh, coming up. Uh, on that same vein as well, same thing, Golf Ontario, the uh, the Junior Boys Championship right. is going going on. Uh, at this point here, obviously, there's not punch, much point in, in, in giving a news <laughs> update because, um, you know, it's ha- happening uh currently uh, will be just over as this podcast comes out uh, but again there are some eastern ontario players that are kind of in the mix there okay. including one and we'll see how this turns out uh, when this podcast comes out cameron Perro from picton uh, was leading as we record this uh, on wednesday his dad mike actually won the title in 1984 so that would be a really cool book that's end. awesome that's exciting and we'll, see, we'll see how that plays out uh, there but uh, you know keep an eye on our, our twitter handle and obviously uh, you know, flagstick.com for the full end results of those two championships. Of course, obviously, all the stuff you can find on flagstick.com uh, if you don't happen to catch it on this podcast. Um, now, there's a, the there's three legs to golf Quebec's uh, sort of, we call it the Triple Crown. Um, yep. And uh, the Alexander Tunis has already been played. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one that is played in the, uh, in the Ottawa area that's uh, hosted by the Ottawa Valley Golf Association. Uh, but the second leg of that uh, series or that that triple crown is the Duke of Kent, and yeah. um, 
uh, exciting story there for the uh, the individual that won. It was uh, Alexander Mercier, uh, mm-hmm. who won the Duke of Kent to 70-72 to win the 88th edition at the Royal Quebec. Uh, awesome golf course, but it was uh, it was Alexandra's uh, first career yes. victory um, yeah. as an amateur golfer, which is really cool because a lot of times with these big events, it's not it's not the first per- the person's first rodeo when it no. comes to winning. A lot of times they've already previously won, you know, club championships or local invitationals and things like that, and they go on and they win bigger events like the Duke Tunis, the Kent, the the amateur. But this was. This was uh, Alexandra's uh, uh, first career victory. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was good to see. And, you know, you get a big one like that. And obviously it brings a lot of attention to that player as well. And this is a, you know, a, a young man, uh, you know, so obviously just getting really going in his career and, and uh, yeah, to win that title over a quality field. And uh, it was good to see. And uh, Maxime Meringer, uh, Meringer, I've tried to pronounce that properly, but if I've, butchered it Maxime don't don't <laughs> shoot me um of Gatineau tied for third so he was the best finisher out of the Ottawa Valley Golf Association I think Ryan 78 was tied for 13th um but uh, not as many players from the OBJ kind of made their way down there this year but no. uh but uh certainly you know this is an historic tournament and and uh, great to see uh it continuing and that tradition continuing I thought it was pretty funny actually uh you know had some uh postings on twitter about you know duke of kent and the alexander of tunis and actually had some reaction from some people in the states who are like what a cool names for golf tournaments like they're just <laughs> yeah, exactly so unique and individual and they're like man how boss is alexander of tunis championship uh you know i heard that from a a, a media colleague down in the u.s and had to give him the backgrounder on it and to find out what it was all about yeah. but uh, just thought it was really unique uh, we're used to it right we're we're used to seeing yeah it's it just kind of yeah yeah it, it is cool go, though but yeah but yeah it, it is just kind of commonplace yeah it kind of goes over your head so uh yeah the third uh Third leg of the triple count crown will be coming up uh, shortly in the uh, Quebec uh, men's amateur. But uh, yeah, two down, one to go. Nice, nice. Now, um, you know we uh, we've we've um, been fortunate to be the uh, media partner of the Play uh, Junior Golf Tour for the last two years, and and they are they are in the throes of it right now. <laughs> Ooh, definitely, <laughs> they are. Uh, you know, poor Chris uh, Veltkamp and uh, and his crew there trying to. Uh, which consists of mostly him, but <laughs> it does. his his crew of few, but uh, he he does an amazing job there, and and he's he's got event after event after event going on, and the landings just hosted uh, uh, the most recent uh, event on the tour, and um, why don't we just get a, a little update on the winners from that one? Obviously, yeah. we can't go into too much detail because there's so many participants <laughs> and and categories, but um, quite a few winners. Yeah, that was the uh, fifth event of the, uh, event of the season. We'll have the details next week on the sixth event, which actually would have taken place yesterday. Now that this is coming out on Friday uh, at the Canadian. Yes, we are time. not. We are not live. We are not sorry, live. Sorry so to say, we're not live. Yeah, and the thing is, they have so many events that obviously you know it can it can surpass kind of where we're at as far as the you know posting. Uh, the winners out there at the landings were uh, Landon Touchet. Uh, who recently had a hole in one. I think we made mention of that yep. last week as well. I met yeah, Cap, at, only at 10 Cap. years old. Uh, Cash McDonald, which is actually really cool. Uh, Cash is a cool little kid. Uh, I remember him coaching him. He was on my daughter's. Oh my gosh. Daughter. He's, he was on my wife's uh, grade school golf team uh, and went out. And when we were in PEI yeah. a few years ago, I raced back from PEI to go and help out at the tournament and help her team out and cash was on that team uh which is kind of cool That's to see awesome. him prog- progressing and, and playing um uh and getting some, some tournament wins the other winners were uh, stella northcott uh lucas olmstead uh, Paige douglas uh, uh spencer cranley wilson Dornicamp, and marnie murray there you go wrapped up in a tight with a tight little bow mm-hmm. um we'll have lots more uh, results from play junior golf tour oh, events yeah. throughout the summer because there is quite a few events and they're kind of happening multiple the times time. throughout the week <laughs> yes. so sometimes twice a week yeah take a sure. deep breath chris it's i'd say it's almost over but it's just begun yeah um the ovga had their city and district for the uh, u13 and u15 age group and uh, uh held at rockland and rivermead golf clubs um recently um owen cop and uh, florence ho of uh, Ottawa Hunt won the Mosquito Division this year, and mm-hmm. in the Pee Wee Division, uh, Carlson Hurlbert, Hurlbert 
uh, from Camelot and Ottawa Hunt, Charlotte Hutchison were the winners. Uh, Chase Jerome of Royal Ottawa and Avery Nordman of the Canadian were the winners in the Bantam division. So you got her. Um, so that wraps up the OVGA's uh, U13, U15 City and District Championships. And they still got quite a few events left to go this year before they uh, before they call it a tournament season. So there will be no shortage of results as the season progresses oh, no. here on this podcast or on flagstick.com. Now, the, uh, the OVGA had the very long-standing Marjorie Strong event, which mm-hmm. is a um, which is a two-person team event. Yep. And um, in that event, uh, there's uh, three divisions. Uh, Division one was won by uh, Barb Byrne and uh, Janet Creighton. Uh, Division two was won by Donna Rennie and Nancy Taylor. And Division three was won by Pat Edgar and Diane Beauchamp. So uh, the the Marjorie Strong has been going on for for quite some time. It's going back into the, uh, I believe this goes all the way back into the CLGA days too. So this is... uh, this is a very long-standing event uh, throughout the region. It was hosted at Rideau View, right? So, correct, yeah. And uh, because it was held on July fourth, uh, to I guess sort of uh, you know honor the Americans, they renamed the divisions for the day. I think they called them the Firecracker One, Firecracker Two, and Sparklers, or something like that. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny when I first hey, saw that. I thought that's a funny name, and then I didn't really put it together and just realized it was you know more of the Canada Day weekend July the 4th sort of thing and just sort of to honor that. whatever floats your boat you all good exactly. right fun, fun event fun fun pairings uh again you know two ball competition people kind of like that for uh you know a little less pressure than than solo events so yes good. two ball events uh yes. are uh, particularly good and and um we have one coming up ourselves in September at Brockville Country Club the Flagstick Two Ball Championship um Four Andrews divisions are starting to really roll in now. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the registrations have really started to pick up, and I think they're going to continue to kind of grow a little bit more. We're going to have a couple of more announcements about registration gift uh, items that we're going to be adding to that package coming up. But as we said before, we're not giving away what's in that gift right now because we are not, we do not want you to play just because of what you're getting in that registration gift. We're right. telling you right now that you're going to get some good stuff in the registration gift and you're going to get an exciting weekend two days of golf uh, at a really uh, top level golf club uh, and uh, a really great experience so um, that's why you should enter so get over to flagstick.com and uh, and register for the flagstick two ball event before there's no spots left because it is limited spots it's a fall event so we can't do like 144 people no limited Um, daylight it's 50 teams of two uh we might be able to squeeze 60 teams of two if if the demand is there but 50 teams of two and those spaces are i'm going to say probably a a little close to half full right now Mm -hmm. so um don't wait um, now, one more thing before we uh, we before we take our break and jump into our back nine, Scott, the flagstick or the flagstick. See, I'm a flagstick on the brain right now. <laughs> okay. The OVGA or Ottawa Valley Golf Association men's intersectionals is coming up. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you're going to have a little something on uh, flagstick.com. Yeah, we've got a previous story that uh, will be up now if you're listening to this podcast uh, as it comes out. Uh, Joe McLean did a little history and a little preview from uh, based on last year, what you expect uh, coming up. Obviously, the, the men's is the start of the intersectional uh, series for the Ottawa Valley Golf Association. So we'll have a preview story up there if you want to check that out on flagstick.com. Uh, lots more competition coming up obviously the the women's the seniors everything else coming up there and um, we'll have preview stories on most of those there you go more content for you golf enthusiasts on flagstick.com because uh, we certainly cannot talk about everything on this podcast or we no. basically be doing like a 12 12 hour podcast and yeah. rambling through it and you'd get bored of us in a hurry though um, okay we got to take a quick break yeah and uh, when we come back uh, we'll have uh, our uh, little tip lesson on the lesson tee with uh, Kevin and Jake Ham talk. Take, Jake Ham talking about uh, uh, bounce on your wedges, understanding the bounce on your wedges, and we're going to get into uh, golf course rankings. We'll call it the the gist of the list, right, Scott? The gist mm-hmm. of the list. So, uh, right now we got to take a break and uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. With Z Star Series Divide, Hideki sees it all. See. There's the spin, and boom, 
That's the line. Introducing the two-tone Z-Star Series Divide, only from Strixon. And back we are. Welcome back to the Flagstick Podcast. Um, and uh, we're going to jump right out to the lesson T and with Kevin Haim, Kevin and Jake Haim, as a matter of fact, uh, on our, uh, this segment of the lesson T brought to you by the Kevin Haim Golf School. It's always the right time to play better, whether you need private lessons, a better short game, some putting help, or custom club fitting. Visit kevinheim.com and remember that better golf is a lot more fun. And ain't that the truth? Better mm-hmm. golf is a lot more fun. Uh, this week on the uh, Lesson T, Kevin and Jake are going to help you understand a little bit more about the bounce on your wedges and um, what they do, how to use them. Uh, so let's jump out to the Lesson T with Kevin and Jake now. Time for a quick tip, golfers. And this one's a really important one, Jake, because it deals with using the bounce. The little angle on the bottom of your wedges, the back edge being lower down than the front edge so that you don't dig into the turf, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've been practicing here for 20, 25 minutes. And you can, as you can see, there's not a lot of significant difference here. It's just <laughs> slight scuffs of the grass. Yeah, you're scuffing the grass. There's his last divot, everyone. It's basically nothing. And you can see he's pulling at the grass as his club head's moving through it, but he's not digging that leading edge in. That's not how you get spin. That's not how you hit clean shots. Let's hit one, Jake. Let's sure. see. How do you use the bounce? How are you not scared of sculling it with that back edge down a bit? Well, first of all, I'll sit for my wedges, so the wedge should move through the ground properly. It glides to the turf. Yeah. And if I feel like I scuff the sole of my club on the ground, I'll be able to do that when I hit the ball as well. I love that. So get fitted for wedges, get the proper amount of bounce, and you'll hit cleaner, better pitch shots. All right. You know, for for those that might uh, not completely understand why there is bounce on your wedge and what it does uh, during the uh, the chipping motion or the, the golf swing motion, I, I guess that kind of does sort of sum up the brushing across the ground and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean... Uh... You know, a, a wedge, any golf club is simply a tool. So understanding it better and knowing how to make use of it uh, obviously helps shape what you're trying to do uh, when yeah, you're out golfing. Exactly. So know, knowing the intention is really uh, important. And, uh, you know, just the basics there of, of looking at bounce and understanding how to kind of hit those chips and pitches and make and making use of bounce at the same time. Yes. Uh, very, very critical and certainly, um, you know, a primary component of, of any good skilled short game player. Oh, of course. And I mean, you know, there's obviously a lot, of, a lot more detail that can, that can go into, you know, um, explaining bounce and how it's used with, with wedges and on different types of shots too. Like sure. You can't possibly, yeah. Kevin and Jake aren't going to sit there and go through every single <laughs> possible scenario because then they'd have to move over to the sand and then they'd have to move into long grass. And yeah. then, they, you know, there's just so and many just, different. Yeah. Different uh, types variables. of turf, different players, yeah. how they uh, angle of attack. There's a lot of things that go into it, but uh, you know, just the simple basic understanding is just kind of the good, a good starting point for you to kind of look at that and consider, you know, how you use your wedges and the bounce. Exactly. All right. Now I'm looking forward to this upcoming topic on Mm -hmm. the back nine, which obviously is uh, brought to you by our good friends at golf sim gurus. Um, If, uh, if you're looking to put a simulator in your home uh, or your business, but in your home, custom golf simulator setups are built to your specs and fit your budget Visit Golf Sim Gurus to learn more about that. Uh, okay, so this topic, <laughs> which we which we discussed privately lots before, and we've had yeah, some the private conversation is a little different than it could be. Yeah, but yeah. you know, but it's I think it's an important topic, and that's the reason why you know kind of put it in here for the back nine. And the the preface here is that you know we're not talking about a particular ranking uh they come out from all different types mm-hmm. of media outlets all sorts of different places have rankings uh for golf courses uh, so this is not meant to you know target one or another it's just to discuss the idea of rankings and some of the different nuances that are around that that maybe some people haven't considered but obviously we've discussed much over the years yeah and the thing is with rankings um they come out and uh, now with nowadays with social media, it used to be that a lot of these rankings would come out and they come out in various publications. Um, you know, they wouldn't be as um, 
as widespread as they are now. Now there's, they're, you know, with social media, they're all over Facebook, they're all over Instagram, they're all over mm-hmm. Twitter. And that also gives people more of a, um, an easy opportunity to attack. And right. not everybody is going to agree with every ranking that comes out. Nope. Because the criteria for each one of these ranking systems can be completely different. Uh, you know, so, you know, what are some of the criteria that that some of these ranking systems are using for determining what golf course should appear in what position or otherwise? I mean, Sky, you can probably speak to that a little bit, uh, you know, with respect to the the criteria that some of the rankings mm. in general are using yeah. uh, to come up with these spots. Yeah, well, uh, most of them focus a lot on the golf course itself, not the golf club. And people should realize and understand that, you know, what you see or experience when you go to a golf course is quite different than maybe what the rankers will look at. So, uh, for an example, you know, one that I know of uh, doesn't allow any contribution as far as things like clubhouse or, you know, food service or, you know, what I mean, all the other things that are nothing but the golf course itself and doesn't even take into account uh you know condition because that can vary by day to day it's more about design features and so forth so um again what do you see when you go to the golf course and maybe you have this great experience because this is what influences a lot of people they look at a list and they go oh that golf course is ranked that high but hey when i went there you know, maybe it was their first time going to a super high-end private club. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. maybe they've never had a caddy before. Maybe they've never seen a clubhouse like that before. Maybe that, you know what I mean? Maybe the pace of play uh, was really good. There's a lot of different factors that can come into it that would make a person's personal ranking, if they're not one of these rankers, um, you know, different than what they would see when they go in the rankings. And I guess, I guess that's one of the things. Most of these ranking systems are trying to th- make things as objective as possible so that they don't have those nuances of emotions and things like which they're always going to have a bias Uh, and i think that's one of the things that we have to deal with and and look at and um so yeah depending on wherever the rankings are you also got to remember too there are factors in there uh like you know some golf courses don't want to be ranked some don't yep. want to participate in lists. So we have a number of golf courses over the years that, you know, have not been included in rankings and people go, well, that golf course is great. It's done this or it's done that, but it's not included. Well, maybe they don't want to be involved. Uh, maybe they're excluded for some other reason. Uh, on the other side of it, you know, what makes a golf course great? Does it does it mean they've hosted a tons of, you know, top championships? Yeah. Does it mean they've yeah. hosted pro tour events? I mean, just because you know, uh, a golf course hosts uh, a pro event doesn't mean it's always the greatest course. It can mean that it's really good as far as its location, close to where sponsors want to have it, good for uh, logistics as far as TV. There's a lot of different things that go into it. So I I think people have to first really, I think when they first look at all these lists, they have to understand that just don't look at the number look at and understand and realize that there's a lot of factors that go into each particular ranking and, and how they go about it, whether it's based on architecture, whether it's based on experience. And that, you know, I, I think the best ranking systems that you see, or I wouldn't say the best, but the ones that at least explain how they rank them, mm-hmm. at least gives you an idea beforehand before you kind of jump on it and go, why, why is this different than, than something else? Well, and, and something to, to look at, too, something that kind of, um, I guess, gets ticks me off a little bit is that some of the ranking systems that are out there, and again, we are not speaking specifically about one ranking system no, over there's, another. There's so don't think that we're focused directly on one particular thing because yeah. we're not. However, there are so many of them out there that the ones that the ranking systems that come out or the rankings that come out that I, that I find out are influenced by dollars and cents. Mm. Those are the ones that ultimately end up ticking me off when I find out that, that, that has had that, that has played a part in how uh, a course gets ranked on somebody's ranking system is when you find out that, Oh, well, you know, this, this, they spent, they did a media buy or they Mm. did a, uh, you know, or they, they, they invited, you know, and paid people to, to do something like when there's money involved, money changing hands, 
then it becomes to me as soon as soon as there's a dollar and cents involved there's, there's an in, influence, in yeah. influencing the decision yeah. of whether someone's on the rank yeah. on the rankings or in a certain position in the rankings or whatever as soon as that happens hmm. to me it doesn't negate the position that the that the golf course is on is on the ranking because but or if they're on it or not because maybe yeah. they belong there anyway right but it certainly taints that in, yeah. in my mind which is why you never really find out um you know that there's money changing hands mm. but it happens yeah and, and ide ideally obviously it's like anything else you would you want to have somebody that's as impartial as possible which can be hard to do especially very. within within the golf world um but you know you'd like to see a system in some cases that you know people actually go to the golf course they actually pay their own green fee they actually don't even announce that who they are and and that they are a ranker um i mean i think some of the best rankers that i know out there that go to golf courses are unknown people um you know that know architecture they know what they're supposed to be doing and they don't announce that they are you know a ranking panelist and whatever because you know what automatically they're going to get treated differently automatically if they put their name on the t-sheet and people know that at that club that, hey, we've got rankers coming that day. You're not going to tell me that, you know, their their manager or their superintendent, they're going to do everything yeah. perfectly possible to kind of influence that result. Um, and I think getting to the, you know, getting to first off, you're talking about, you know, influencing how it happens. I guess that's that's part of it as well, you know the size of these panels that go mm -hmm. in there. I mean, here's the thing. Take take the United States, for an example. If we've got 350 million people in, in the United States, you take the number of golfers and things like that. Um, if a ranking panel that for the United States, for an example, only had 500 people on it, is that really definitive as far as, you know, I mean, they might be well-qualified people. And yeah. I'm not saying there's a better way to do it, but, you know, relative to maybe a Canada or an Ireland or whatever, if there's only a hundred people or whatever, can, one, can they play, have played every single golf course? Well, that's the thing that, yeah. And they don't, that's, that's right. the thing. And the majority of these ranking systems, the people that are ranking the golf courses, they're not the same people are not playing all of the same golf courses. There's, there's a, again, it depends on yeah. what ranking system criteria you're working with. Some of them require the rankers to play a certain number of right. the golf courses that are yeah. in the rankings in order mm -hmm. to rank them. But in, in truly, truly, truly being able to rank a golf course from one to whatever, 50, yeah. one to 100, one to 25, even if we did the same thing within our region, Scott, yeah. if we, if you and I and Joe created a ranking system and said we are going to rank the top 25 golf courses in the flagstick region mm -hmm. like we are going to do it yeah. the only way to definitively come up with a rank come up with a top 25 is for all three of us to play the same golf courses mm -hmm. all the golf courses mm -hmm. that want to participate so you sure. would let each golf course in this region, which is like 150 or 160 golf courses in our immediate region, we'd have to notify every single one of them that we were going to be doing this ranking system. Do you want to participate? Mm -hmm. They would have to give us a yay or an A. And then we would have to schedule, you know, and to do it properly, you would have to show up unannounced. Mm -hmm. You can't let them know you're coming because then they have time to do the extra things to mm -hmm. butter up the golf course. You want to get yeah. it the golf course for the most part like there has to be a very specific criteria mm -hmm. in order to come up with a definitive well, 25 yeah. but I, and you but can't I think, do it like it's no, you can't. can't do it and i think that's the futility of it as well because even if it's three of us or 300 of us yeah that's going to vary a lot and yeah. so much that you don't have one you don't have the ability to see all the golf courses at the same time in their best possible conditions if condition is a, is a factor that plays into it who knows what other factors are going to go into it and then all the certain biases i mean anybody can sit here and not just us anybody can sit there in a group and i've seen a million of these before where a group will sit there of four players and talk about their top 10 golf courses and their opinion on one single golf course even though it can be a really high quality golf course their rankings will vary by a lot and i and i know a lot of these rankings go oh well we'll, we'll average it out and stuff like that but the the problem with this is that it becomes gospel 
in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. And I think that's that's one of the the, the key things uh, in talking about this is how it ends up impacting a lot of other things based on uh, a ranking of you know of how definitive it is. And people go, oh, we're the number one or we're the number 10 or we're not. Okay, well, that's great. Um, and that's fine as far as the list is concerned. But um, is it true? I mean, I always say to golf courses, you know what, be number one for your customer. And while yeah. I know that sounds, you know, goofy and whatever, people have to realize that nothing, none of these, res- none of these uh, rankings are definitive. No, There's, they are simply entertainment. They are simply an opinion. They're good for discussion points. And I've had the, I've had the conversations with people that administer these and they admit, although they don't you know, publish it and say, hey, this is just about a point of discussion or whatever. As soon as they put the word out there in the title that says top 100 or top 50 best golf courses, best, not favorite, best. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it the favorite of our ranking panel? That'd be more accurate. Yeah. But best is a better, an easier word to wrap up. And it's one that people buy into without knowing how the results are there. Oh, and yeah. that's the frustrating part because I have seen rankings over the years administered by, you know, a media organization, for an example, uh, one that maybe doesn't exist even anymore, but it was clear that their sample size was so small that it was ridiculous. And I almost felt bad for golf courses when they would all of a sudden say, we're X in this ranking or whatever. Like, okay, you're just as good as go down to the bar and get 10 dudes down there to tell you what their best golf courses is. And Mm -hmm. and then you can come out with, you know, a a number. It doesn't really have a lot of value. And I think they all get misconstrued a lot. We know a golf course, for an example, one that doesn't exist anymore, that I can remember one time there is a comment within a golf digest used to have a a book that was like best courses to play in kind of the regions and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And they would use comments that were from, golfers in there and they would have quotes from golfers because the golfer could write in and say what they wanted well in this one particular one a single person said it's in my top 10 golf courses to play in eastern ontario pretty soon that quote was misconstrued (laughs) and i know the golf course you're talking about too and it doesn't exist anymore and showed up in their marketing as top 10 golf course in eastern ontario well, it was top 10 based on one person. It was their top 10. Mm-hmm. So while it had marketing value when it's good, I guess, even yeah. though it was a lie, um, yeah. you know, but then what happens on the other side of it? And that's one of the things as well. You see a lot of the golf courses that will, you know, they're obviously quick to talk about when their rankings are high, but when their rankings are poor, then they get ticked off and they get mad. And I can tell you in talking to people that administer you know, some of these rankings, some of the emails and letters and things that they get, you know, based on the ranking, I don't even know how they endure it. I really don't because people just get so mad when all of a sudden some person's golf course or their golf club drops 20 spots in the rankings and these people have a fit, right? But now if it's good, if it's good, they think it's great. Like, I'll I'll tell you this. Um, So we're generalizing different rankings, but I'm going to be specific about about this one. We stopped doing right. ours. Um, yeah. Well, we used to have the Flagstick Readers' Choice Awards, right? And and I'm thinking at some point or another we might jump back into this. Yeah, this but game explain a the premise. Explain the premise of how okay. we did it. Though. So the premise behind the Flagstick Readers' Choice Awards when we launched it was exactly what it says. It's the Flagstick Readers' Choice Awards, and we had a number of different categories, but. But some of those categories, one of those categories, we had we had the the favorite golf course uh, over fifty dollars, or and that changed as green fee rates went up. But we right. had sort of yeah. the top end, and we had the the lower end green fee. We had two categories: favorite over and favorite under. We had most underrated, mm-hmm. our favorite underrated. We had uh, 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 best conditioning. We had service, we had clubhouse, 
Uh, we had favorite par three, par four, par no, five. Knowing that these were opinions yes. of readers. Favorite. What's, what's the important? It's favorite. It wasn't saying best. No. And, and we always we always bristled when someone would say or change the marketing and say, oh, we were voted best golf. No, no, no. You were not voted best golf. Exactly. We created a logo. Yeah. And every winner of every category, and even the ones that were in the, the categories in the top five, because I think it was the top five we had per, per category, we, yeah. you were allowed to use this logo. And the logo mm -hmm. specifically stated Reader's choice. favorite and what year it was and what category yeah. it was. And they were allowed to use it in their marketing however they wanted to. Yeah. Um, but if they strayed from the, the verbiage mm -hmm. that we provided, then they got asked to yeah. not use it or to change it back or to you know slap on the wrist or whatever but they weren't allowed to say it that way you're not yeah. the best no. you are the reader's choice favorite mm -hmm. now that is probably a more accurate assessment those reader's choice awards were probably well, a more accurate a, assessment of the golf courses throughout the region than yeah. you and joe and i could have come up oh, with God, yeah. on our I own thought. Yeah. Um, because what would have ended up happening is despite the fact that, you know, we are supposed to be professional media members, um, we would still have influence by our favorites. Mm -hmm. And that's sure. what they ultimately would be. There's yeah. no way to be that impartial to yeah. say it's the best. Oh, it's the best condition. Well, how so? What criteria mm. do you put yeah, on a golf course that says it's the best condition because it has yeah. bent grass fairways and not Kentucky blue? Uh, because yeah. it feels like carpet when you walk on it, as opposed to feeling like there's more clay underneath and it's harder. Well, it's a different golf course. Some of the best golf courses in the world don't have bent grass fairways. How many bent grass fairways are there on golf courses in Scotland and Ireland? Mostly fescue. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that no was way. the criteria no for, yeah. for a long time. If a golf course had the fluffy, soft, carpety bent grass fairways, mm -hmm. they had to be the best golf course. no. Not necessarily. Maybe they were, but not necessarily. So, yeah. um, you know, we so we did that favorite and we did it for a, a lot of years. And then mm -hmm. obviously we noticed that things were starting to um, we were starting to get multiple entries in different categories and people were starting to photocopy the stuff the, in the uh, ballot box, the ballot box. And, and, yeah. and then we pulled the plug on and said, OK, well, yeah. we're not going to do that now with today's technology. Mm -hmm. of being able to do online balloting right. uh, and to have uh, captcha and recaptcha mm -hmm. and ways of stopping spamming and things like that it would be more we'd be more inclined to reintroduce the reader's choice awards at some date because people can mm -hmm. enter online and we can control that they only enter once from one email address now they can use multiple email addresses mm -hmm. there's very little way of stopping that no you're, you're trying to you're trying to kind of tighten it up as much yeah. as you possibly can. And, 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 you know, that, that I think that lends to our integrity as well. While we knew it was the most democratic way to have as many votes as possible. To we saw it being abused. We saw it being abused, which, you yeah. know, is why we got away from it because we didn't think it was fair to the people that were losing, mm -hmm. not the people that were winning. It's also not fair to the, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, just because Aunt Eunice, uh, you know, stuffed the ballot box and she loved the, the par five at her golf course and wanted to give it 100 votes. Um, yeah, know, that that's, you know, again, it just didn't make it that as valid as as we would want it to be. Exactly. Um, and, and so that's as a result of it, you know, and that's why we don't participate in ranking panels as well. Exactly. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and the know. other thing with ranking panels is, is maybe what they should create is more transparency uh similar to what they're talking about or they have been talking about doing with the uh with hockey hall of fame mm -hmm. and um and those that are voting there are those that i've listened to dave poulin um who's talked about he would have no problem whatsoever in in his um his balloting mm -hmm. um being transparent whereas sure. others don't want them to mm. be transparent it's like you know what well if you don't want your balloting to be transparent Mm -hmm. then there's a reason for that. Now, number one, you don't want to have to defend a choice that you make Correct. Um, and get lambasted for it, which I understand, but it's also that you're potentially uh, favoring one player over another and you don't want to yeah. other people to see what, what you're doing or why you're doing that. Because you see things like, oh, well, one guy didn't even have Connor McDavid in his top five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that, that even yeah. remotely possible yeah. in, in the hockey world? So it'd be like, somebody not having a certain golf course in their top five and mm -hmm. it's like how is that possible well defend it 
If you're going to choose yeah, that golf sure. course, yeah, yeah, then yeah. put put your name with the ballot. Put your right. name with the ranking, and maybe there's maybe they publish the criteria, the the um, the the wording that's used when someone explains why they yeah. chose each golf course on the list. I don't know. I don't think at this point that there's ever really when you have a panel of people, whether they're media people or not media people, deciding what the best golf course is in a country, yeah. in the world, in the mm-hmm. in whatever, in a region. Um, when you have a panel and there isn't a definitive structured criteria for each member of the panel to to well, even have, with like, even it's impossible they, you just can't they, do it yeah even with they would have to have a such a large panel to make the sample size accurate yeah. i mean anybody that's involved with polling will tell you that unless they have a large enough sample size they can't say it's accurate so within a particular country as i mentioned you know if you're looking at that scale of a 350 million uh, million people in in the united states and you know say you've got 30 million golfers are are five well 500 or 200 or 100 golfers really does that really define you know what what it should be and i think they get misconstrued and mm-hmm. and unfortunately they end up going they go from being entertainment to being taken seriously and used in the in the marketing so they get misconstrued and i think part of the problem with that in there and i get it obviously you know we're in the media we're we're obviously you know we're, it's critical for us with marketing and and advertising and so forth that you know we drive as much of an audience as possible to our content but I think in a lot of cases, some of these lists, because people like to look at them and they're curious, mm-hmm. I think they just become the giant clickbait is really what they amount to. Yeah, no, I would agree uh, with that. And and every, and every publication that's done them says, oh, it's our most, you know, it's our most viewed. So that's why they continue to do it. So I get that from a business standpoint, but so I think they just have to temper it. What about, what if they were to do something like where they had um, for these, if they want to do like a best or whatever, have a nomination process, okay, where if a golf course wants to be considered for this award, then they mm-hmm. have to provide uh, a nomination package. And that package would include video of their golf course, photos of the golf course, explanations, and like certain things that they that they become, that they pair the lists down by through nominations. So golf courses yeah. that normally would not be considered by a panel, because mm-hmm. there's too many, don't tell me for a minute that, that, that there's not a golf course that's not on that one of these lists that shouldn't be on the list just because nobody nobody wanted to go play it or nobody really paid much attention to it. Well, existence. yeah, well, so, there's so too some, many. I mean, how many so, golf yeah. courses are there in the U.S.? Yeah, uh, uh, thirty thousand. And you're telling uh, me that every every member of every panel yeah. that does these lists has played all yeah. the golf courses? No, and the other <laughs> side of possible. it too. The other side of it too is that you know golf courses. You know, I hear that within panels. You know, and they'll say, "Oh, well, that golf course didn't do that." You know, they they didn't get really included this year because they didn't have enough rankers to go visit them. Exactly. Well, okay. well that that makes that makes the list invalid. Exactly. Right, right, right away. off the bat. And, and and calling a list the top one hundred, as opposed to saying it's the top one hundred that we could include because we had enough ranking panelists and the membership <laughs> criteria didn't exclude them. I mean, there's enough asterisks upon asterisks here. What's that, that URL look like? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. That doesn't make it valid as it is. So, no. you know, God love you, any of the journalists and, and friends and whatever that are out there trying to make something out of this, but people need to understand the validity of them. And I know other journalists that are the same way as us. They don't have any... You know, they don't, they know that these lists are not definitive, but I yeah. think the problem is, is the industry tries to make them definitive. And I think you'll start to see that as, as criteria is going to happen, and you'll see this more and more, you're going to see more and more lists that are going to exclude clubs, either clubs are going to ask not to be included in the lists because they've had a bad ranking and they don't want to be included because obviously it's easier just to make it go away if they're yeah. not involved in the ranking and they can just say, Oh, well, we're, we're not in the ranking because we just decided not to or whatever. Or we're going to see golf courses, especially in this era of DE and I, we're going to see courses that have criteria that maybe they're a men's only club or maybe they've had a situation at the club or whatever, where all of a sudden, you know, maybe the ranking panel or whoever's running the ranking will say, oh, well, we can't include that course or whatever. Again, when do things become valid? There are literally golf courses on some of these lists that are just uh 
or not on the list because they're they're privately owned. They're in the middle of nowhere. Is they? I mean, we can think of ones like Goodwood in Canada or Mafremagog or whatever, where they're just there's not a lot of access to a lot of these places. So if you can't oh. get the rankers out there, you're not going to be including them on the list. And there's dozens of those in the U.S. as well. Lots of those throughout the world. So I think the biggest takeaway for people is they're for debate, they're for entertainment, but also, if you're the golf courses and you're trying to use them as leverage for your marketing, just be careful because, you know, what it says is not always true mm -hmm. and you might get called out on it. And while it, it will sort of, uh, you know, it'll so, sort of get past a lot of people because they'll assume it's true. It may not be right. So yeah. be proud of your facility. Be the best possible facility you can for your customers and that is more important to take care of them than it is to take care of everyone else. And I get it, you know, public golf courses, you know, this means a lot to them from a revenue standpoint. If your golf course is top ranked, you know, you're going to drive revenue. Private clubs, yeah, you know what? You might get more people that want to join because they think of it as a top ranked or whatever. Um, some of it, I think it just feel, it feeds their ego <laughs> a, a little yeah. bit to say that they're, they're ranked. But um, if they put so much focus on the ranking, which a lot of them do, like, you know, boards panic about where they are in the rankings and stuff. Uh, I, I think they're losing, they're losing the point. They, they need to provide the best possible experience to satisfy the people that are their customers mm -hmm. and not satisfy the random people that come once a you know, every few years to, to provide a ranking and put them on a list, make uh, it the best for the end user. I totally agree with that. And, and uh, we got to, we got to take another quick little break, Scott, because this is, this is going to be one of those podcasts where uh, the back nine segments running, running a little longer yeah. than normal, but it's a great topic. And I do have, I have one more comment on that uh, and to extend uh, the point that you just made sure. um, as a marketing person myself, and that's what I've, you know, predicated my life on, even, you know, with everything that we do here, I'm a marketing guy. And the one thing that I will say to any golf course operator manager that's listening to this podcast or, or watching this podcast and hearing us talk about these things is this, you need to treat every day, like there's a golf course ranker coming to see your golf course the next day. If you do that, then your golf course will be in the best possible shape that yeah. you can get it in day in and yeah. day out. That's yeah. the best possible shape you can get it in. That doesn't mean that you go spending absorbably amount no, no, of, amounts no. of money on getting your golf course. You've got a budget. You've got to work with. You put that golf course in the best shape you can put it in every single day. You have the best customer service every single day in your clubhouse, on the golf course. If you follow that criteria then you're going to be fine yeah. as, a, as a business, as a golf better, course. It doesn't matter off. what your ranking is. It yeah, makes exactly. no difference. You'll be Just, way better off than exactly. whatever ranking is. Because yeah. those rankers are not paying for green fees at your golf course. They're not yeah. fueling your, your, your bank account uh, so that you can – they're not running your business for you. They're just putting a number on your golf course. And that's yeah. great if you get a number, a good number that can help yeah. you market your facility down the road. But you don't need that number to market your facility. You need yeah. your facility to market your facility. So you get your facility in the best possible condition, shape, best customer service that it can possibly be in. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be fine. Yeah. 100%. Simple as that. Love it. All right. Let's end it on that note. Uh, we're sure. going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to have a little bit of discussion about golf books um, yeah. before we close out the show. So uh, I'm glad, I hope you enjoyed that little segment because I know I did. Uh, just to stick with us, we're going to be right back. With Z-Star Series Divide, Hideki sees it all. See? There's the spin. And boom. That's the line. Introducing the two-tone Z-Star Series Divide. Only from Strixon. And once again, we are back. Jeff Potter here with Scott McLeod, as always. And uh, we're ready to dive into our uh, product watch, which happens to focus on a um, little golf book segment. Uh, but of course, product watch is uh, brought to you by Greensmere Golf and Country Club. Save 40% on all day green fee rates with FlexPass for only $425 plus tax. Visit Greensmere. 
Facebook.com for more information. Okay, Scott, we're stepping outside of the stuff that's in your golf bag, unless you keep books in your golf bag. Maybe that would be odd. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're stepping outside of the normal equipment talk. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to yeah. dive in a little bit with uh, with golf books, which, uh, um, you know, I'm not a big reader myself. I know you are far bigger reader than I am. Um, <laughs> I but I do have my likings. There's certain <laughs> books that I like and certain books that I have no interest in reading. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of more of a biography type book reader. Um, I like Ooh. to read books, particularly that have, uh, that have true stories associated with them. I mm -hmm. happen to, uh, there's one that I actually read uh, um, about two months ago now. It was the Steve Williams book. Um, uh, um, I think it's called Out of the Rough. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and books like that that sort of uh, um, focus on on some truth, uh, true yeah. stories, and things that normally real life would not stories. be privy to. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. kind of open open up, um, you know, a golfer or a caddy or a course yeah. designer. Those are the kinds of books that I tend to sort of find interest in reading. Yeah. Not so much instruction books. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, myself. Uh, um, coffee table books like golf course books mm -hmm. golf courses of the world things like that i i, I kind of like those too but uh, yeah what about you well i think that's the great thing about golf it's such a broad subject that you know there's there's lots of different nuances and different avenues that you can take i mean you mentioned that as far as biographies a lot of people don't always think about that uh, they do naturally think of a golf book being an instruction book. But, you know, if if you like Steve Williams' book, you probably like Caddy for Life, which is the Bruce Edwards story. He did that with yeah, John Feinstein. Would, yeah. uh, you know, that was a beauty. I remember reading that on a plane. I forget where I was going. And generally, you know, I, ha I haven't been on a lot of planes lately, but, no. you know, I would read a fair bit uh, on the on the plane. Um, I would say I, I've, I've kind of done a mix over the years. Um, I like some of the historical uh, books uh you know there's been some great ones on uh tom morris for an example um you know there's been some some different ones on you know historically that way um greatest game ever played which obviously you know got got adapted into a movie mm -hmm. uh mark frost book on the uh, 1913 uh, uh, us open with uh, francis we met which obviously was a great one as well uh instruction ones definitely are the ones i get asked about the yeah, most, I would imagine more than, yeah. more than anything. Uh, I will have a post up on uh, flightstick.com next week with kind of a, I call it the six pack of a library of, you know, golf instruction books that people can kind of add uh, to their library if they're looking for some basics that range from short game instruction practice, um, you know, kind of that as mental aspects of the game. And I mean, I think some of the people, some of the books that blend those two are interesting as well. They're not straight out instruction, but maybe they talk a little bit about their experience in doing stuff, mm -hmm. which is probably why the Little Red Book by Harvey Penick was probably one of the greatest sellers of oh, all yeah. time, because, you know, it, it was a combination of the stories of the players, um, you know, that went to see Mr. Penick and, you know, their successes, be it a Ben Crenshaw or a Mickey Wright or a Tom Kite or, or, or whoever, and some of the background of them but also some of the instruction that was given to them as well which created a great combination and i think you know that was part of the success as well uh for a golf book like bob rutella's golf is not a game of perfect yeah exactly. the same sort of aspects where they had instruction but they had it from a practical sense of here's how it was applied to particular players and their stories and how they went about using that type of instruction. So I think that combination really, based on, you know, looking at overall sales of, you know, books of all time, they seem to be the ones um, that, you know, kind of people really, you know, go after. And as you said, the ones that give the details, obviously, you know, we're familiar with the fact that, uh, you know, Hank Haney did a book about, you know, Tiger Woods and his experience with Tiger Woods. It came out a few years back, The Big Miss. That was a little bit salacious. So that's why it yeah. got a lot of attention. But again, it's it's kind of getting to the details behind the scenes. Uh, maybe the things you, you don't hear about on the Golf Channel or broadcast or whatever that, you know, tend to interest people. But I think that's part of why they like some of the instruction books as well, because not only are people trying to get better, 
um, they want to know deeper secrets versus just something that's really basic that they might get really quickly. They want to know, okay, how do I really apply this and, and make it, you know, kind of part of my game? And not everybody's going to be reading, uh, you know, books like, you know, Mark Brody and, you know, his book about strokes gained, uh, you know, every shot counts. It's not for everyone. Uh, you know, it's not going to sit there and be riveting for somebody who just wants a, you know, a nice biography or whatever. But that again is the cool part about golf books is that there are so many and that they appeal to many people in, in different ways. Yeah. And, and, and for as far as instruction books go, I mean, the, the, the one golf instruction book that, uh, that I still have that I still like, and I think there's a good chunk of the teachings within this book that maybe are not, um, not, looked upon the same way as they were before was, uh, is, uh, the natural golf swing, uh, the George Knudsen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you know, still, I always, it still, carry, I, it still carries weight for sure. I still, you know, I, I, I kind of related to it a little bit, uh, when, you know, reading it, I, I understood it. I, I, there was a lot about it initially. That's like, oh, there's no way that that makes, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. That can't be true. Yeah. My arms have to do more than that. My hands have to do more than that. And then you start to see more and more of the teachings and stuff now, and you think, oh, well, maybe some of that was true. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the, you know, instruction books. But like I say, I generally speaking, not an instruction book kind mm -hmm. of guy. I think I, I, I think David Ledbetter did a book way back when called Faults and Fixes. And I, I yeah. thought that was kind of a cool uh, concept for a book to less about, you know, long winded golf instruction and mm -hmm. tips and more about, well, if you're doing this, then, you know, here's what you can do to fix it. Well, if you're doing this, mm. it was very general. And I think mm. it was kind of animated pictures. Almost, almost like too that. general, unfortunately. Yeah, really. it, was kind of, it was kind of Jack yeah. Nicholas Golf My yeah. Way kind of yeah, kind well, of like... I, uh, I, think, I think Golf My Way was a little bit different. The same with the natural golf swing as well. And the fact that it is, you know, it's admitted that it's their way of doing things. And yeah. Newton's was written that way. Obviously, you know, he, he sat down and he wrote that with Lauren Rubenstein here in Canada. And, you know, they went through all his notes and Lauren still has all his yellow sketch pads of, you know, all his notes that he made during his career. And, you know, George was voracious as far as trying to get better and get better and get better. And that's what he wanted to do is he wanted to put his thoughts down in a book before he passed away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is, it's told from his standpoint of how it affected him and how it integrated into his career and how he made those discoveries. Um, he doesn't necessarily always say it's going to apply to everyone, but he right. does say there's some common elements that might be helpful for some people. And I, again, that, that gets into the difficulty with the golf swing is that it is so complex that it is really hard to refine it down to something really, really simple. And if somebody says they're doing it really simply, chances are maybe they're just trying to sell the product rather than give you, you know, exactly. great information. But, you know, those are great examples. And I think, you know, the natural golf swing, it's a great one. It shouldn't be confused, obviously, with the, the videos of Mo Norman that were right, called the different. natural golf swing. Totally different thing. And obviously, you know, I value that book uh, in yeah. the fact that I gave it out to all yes. my groomsmen at my wedding 25 years ago yeah. Yeah. and, and uh, have had numerous copies over the years and been fortunate to have a lot of conversations with Lauren about that. Um, but yeah, the, those ones are, I think are good. The ones that blend stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the, the value of the coffee table books has sort of changed over the years. I have a number of those as well, mostly historical, maybe related to the U S open or the open championship or so forth. Beautiful to look at. Unfortunately, I think the value of photography has kind of gone down a little bit with the, you know, the emergence of the internet, you know, we can access photos of, you know, the open championship all the time or the US open championship, we just, you know, with a click of a button. Um, so, you know, years past those have more held more value, but they're still great. Yeah, for sure. Giving, give, giving them for a gift or things like that. And, um, you know, we have had a number of lists over the years on, on flagstick.com and I, I, we will produce more. And like I said, uh, I've got one coming up, which is more based on instruction type books, but uh, I, I think that's just a basic, uh, you know, kind of little wander over some of the ones. That yeah, for there. sure. Um, one, maybe one name, one book, maybe can you name one book that another book that maybe you like, or as far as a, um, uh, not a, not a golf, you know, oddly enough, after what I just said, it's not a, um, not a uh, biography or instruction book, but golf in the kingdom. Mm, um, Michael Murphy. Yeah. yeah um, 
really enjoyed that. Not, book not an easy one to get through for some no, people. It's no, a little, it's, I, it's a little mystical. I did, uh, <laughs> I did enjoy it. You know, yeah. it's it, so, yeah. Um, I, I would say that. Uh, yeah, that book probably sticks in my mind a lot. A lot yeah. of the other ones, when they're biographies and stuff like that, they just they kind of blur a little bit because they mm. they're very similar. They're informative, um, yeah. but they the content of them doesn't stick with me for a very long time. It sticks with me then when I'm reading it, and uh, you know. But then afterwards, with the Golf in the Kingdom, that that one, uh, it was it was a very interesting book, and it and it yeah. did uh, it did stick with me uh, for quite quite some time. So, what about yeah. you? Yeah, that's a that's a good one for sure. Uh, I think if people go and and uh, look at something like um, To the Linksland, which is a, a golfing adventure by Michael Bamberger, obviously maybe people are more familiar with Bamberger now, uh, a more well known writer. But at the time, he was writing for the Philadelphia Inqui Inquirer and uh, wanted to go on a little bit of a, a golf adventure and basically went and uh, caddied on the European tour. And some of the stories from that are, are just fantastic. And, yeah. you know, to see what the uh, what the tour was like back in the day, which would have been, you know, in the 1980s uh, of, you know, he would just grab latched onto a player and they went from country to country. They were in buses. It was the old school uh, European tour. And I think that one will find interesting. Uh, another one kind of in the same vein. It seemed to like a lot of them that are over in Europe, but yeah. uh, an American caddy in St. Andrews. Uh, by Ollie Horowitz is a fun one as well. Uh, Ollie was a film student um, and uh, would go back over to St. Andrews and stay with his uncle and caddy in the summers. And he wrote about it in a book. And I, I really hope he was, he's talking about having a volume two. He's talked about it for many years. Uh, I was fortunate to, to meet up with him a few years back in St. Andrews and have a pint and discuss kind of his book and stuff like that. And uh, hopefully he does come out with a, a second one on that. But it really showed the, the nuances of what it was like to be a caddy at the old course, uh, and especially from an American perspective and how different it was and what it's like to live there in St. Andrews and, and do that job summer after summer. So that, that's one for somebody to check out as well. Cool. All right. Well, that is the uh, uh, little book discussion and there will be, uh, be sure to get over to flagstick.com and check out uh, Scott's post next week yep. um, on, uh, um, on some various instruction books, particularly. Um, but, uh, this was a good discussion to have leading into that. And, uh, it's been, uh, it's been heck of a, heck of a podcast with respect to discussions, uh, <laughs> yeah. know, from, from course rankings to, uh, to, uh, golf books. Uh, you certainly are getting your, uh, your fill of, uh, of our points of view and opinions on uh, a number of different things. So we hope that everybody has enjoyed that part of uh, the show this week. Um, but we do got to get out. It's been a long one, but it's been a yep. good one. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, as always, Metcalf Golf Club, Golf Sim Gurus, Greensmere Golf and Country Club, Kevin Haim Golf School, and our presenting sponsor, Strixon Golf Balls. Uh, whether you're looking for a premium urethane option, the Z-Star Series, a quality budget option in the soft field, or somewhere in between with the Q-Star Tour, Strixon is bound to present an option that will work for your game. For more information, visit Strixon.ca. Um, hopefully uh, you're continuing to enjoy watching and listening to us. Be sure to follow us across all social media networks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe on Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on the YouTube channel to our YouTube channel. The contest is ongoing. Get over yeah. there, subscribe, comment on one of the posts. I'd like to win free stuff and we'll get you into the draw. Uh, so you'll want to check that. Be sure to pop over to flagstick.com where you will find great content every yeah. single day and you're going to like it. I'm sure of it. Um, as always, we appreciate uh, you being with us. Uh, and uh, I am Jeff Botter. I'm Scott McLeod. Always remember, go for the stick.